This is for the nerds. This is for the brainiacs. This is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back. You ain't gonna touch me. You're not gonna do nothing. You are not above me. I bet you wish you was me. I know it. I know. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Only Friends podcast. Today, it's just the lone survivors. We did it, man. We beat COVID. We beat COVID. It's kind, of, it's kind of actually like the Only Friend podcast, right? Because like, yeah. I'm your only friend That's, in this, this situation. Is true. Well, Guapo's here, but he's behind the scenes. Guapo actually still has COVID. You and I are the only two who somehow faded getting the COVID ah, bug. Right. Uh, I managed to test negative four times, despite the fact that I felt sick for about a week. So yeah. maybe it's unreliable test. I don't know. Some Either sniffles. way. Some sniffles here and there. but Either way, we're the strong ones, right? Mm. Like We, yeah, we are the ones who will propagate the future and be more resistant to the COVID bug. Going to the gym after this. That's right. Strong man. One day at a time. <laughs> One day at a time. One day at a time. Hey, if you work hard enough and you do a good enough job, maybe <laughs> you too someday could be on a magazine cover that Doug Polk approves of. <sighs> I look for the approval of myself, man. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need any of this. That's not what we're here for. No. We are here for public recognition. recognition. <laughs> man, it really that is you're weird. you're a strong man. It is weird looking at you from like this, this angle versus mm. either the angle from the other chair or my tapestry chair. Hey, congrats, so like, buddy. You're the co-pilot I, today. I don't know if I have to like move this chair a little bit. You can, you can like, twist a little bit towards little, me if little, you like. A little yeah. twist. So. Yeah, you're the co-pilot today. You're along for this journey. It's going to be only a other, fucking bumpy ride today. There's uh, only one other op- There's no other option. I don't have a choice. I, I would have done this one myself if I had to. I think, uh, I think we got a lot on the plate today. Someone's got to uh, take a stand. That's right. I'm here for it. You are the person that takes a lot of stands. I, I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I feel like I'm trying to just be a good person and, you know, spread joy amongst all. And <laughs> it, it's just shit flying from every angle. I feel Man. like I'm in a monkey cage and just constantly getting pelted in the face with poo. Yeah. I remember one time we had a conversation where we talked about responding to like a tweet of some sort. And I was like, man, I just don't think I have it in me. And then like, you did it. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't be like me, man. Yeah, d- just don't, don't be me. Don't be me. <laughs> don't Trying be to me. have discourse on Twitter is like the epitome of a time suck. Yeah. Like I've, I've definitely learned in the last year, my life is a thousand times better if I only reply to tweets with gifts. Yeah. You if, don't, you don't respond. Yep. You don't use words. You just use images Impossible and memes. Impossible to have a nuanced conversation. Yeah. Like I, I had a reasonable back and forth, I thought today um with with jen jacobs who uh you know we were kind of on the opposite sides uh and even through what i considered to be reasonable discourse i left the conversation frustrated yeah like it was clear we were talking past one another Mm -hmm. and it's just like this is not the medium right 180 characters at a time when you're like speed typing and then another reply comes in and then you have to reply it's just it's not built for that it happens what's even worse is like the discourse happens in public uh, like in the public arena. Yeah. So they're just onlookers, like waiting to pile on to one side or the other, uh, which just, you know, it makes it infinitely worse. And but, you're multi-tabling these things too. It's right. not like you're responding to one person. You're on the tire, the crusade, if the, you will. Of- well, the irony will be that like, I'll be, I'll be having discourse with her with regards to like why I'm a to- toxic uh, masculine figure mm-hmm. and how I can better use my platform, which 
you know, to some degree, there will always be truth to that level. Like we, we can always improve. We're all very but then toxic. like on the other side of the spectrum, I'm like yelling at some troll who's trying to propagate Doug's stance that like bigger girls should never be on a magazine cover. And yeah. It's just like, I don't even know how I identify anymore. It's right. like, I think that like... These are both a waste of my fucking time at this point. Right. Where's the just having a reasonable opinion and being done with it? Like, okay, I have my stance. Here's my stance. Well, I think the problem is, is that we have microphones. Yeah. So it's like uh, having a reasonable take is not enough because the problem... I think Ingram ran into this too. The problem with constantly towing the center line mm-hmm. is that then you alienate both sides. Right. So you do have to, you have to pick a lane. And then you have to extrapolate on the lane. Yeah. If you have a microphone, if you have only Twitter, like you use Twitter, but if you have Twitter and this, it's like, okay, we have to talk about this and then extrapolate. Yeah. I, I think the problem is though, like even when you do choose a lane, Mm. uh, there will just be some inconsistencies along the way. Yeah. We're just subject to our own biases and those biases are going to rear their ugly heads in casual conversation from time to time again. And you're going to be heavily scrutinized by them. And that's fine. Like... Wouldn't get on the mic if I wasn't ready for uh, for, for, for the, the discourse, treatment, if you will. Yeah, for the discourse or to be scrutinized or to be examined under a microscope like that. Yeah. Uh, where I struggle is like the difficulty in being held to uh, a standard that feels unachievable. Mm. Right. Where it's like you watch your words so closely that you're bordering on censorship. Right. It's almost like you can't make a mistake because if you make a mistake in one point out of like an essay, it's the gotcha moment and you're yeah flawed everywhere else. that's what feels bad is like when when you're on the same side as someone and you feel like they're trying to gotcha you yeah it's just like okay well it's really hard not to get defensive now because like i do that sometimes <laughs> man. I, i'm guilty of this I'm, i mean I'm, everybody I'm, is I'm, I'm bad i'm bad i'm bad sometimes I, I think everybody is it's like when when your overarching stance is one thing yeah and then there are these tiny little nuanced points throughout that stance that may uh disalign in some way shape or form and that's constantly being hammered down yeah as like why your overarching stance is wrong it it's it's difficult you know yeah it's a tough tough line to toe of like making it's hard to string a bunch of good sentences in a row because at some point you're gonna make a mistake we're also just like we only know what we know we don't know what we don't know so like we're all ignorant to a fault yeah and uh if you don't constantly reiterate the fact that like the words coming out of my mouth are only to a certain degree of confidence yeah like I think that's something that gets mis- misconstrued a lot too. It's like, I can say something confidently where in my head, I know that there's a varying spectrum of how confident I am that that's true mm-hmm. or how much truth there is to right. it. Right. Like what you, there's always a degree of confidence to it. It's not a 100%. I know this is to be true, but to the, but, but to the audience, they think it's 100%. everything comes off as either 100% fact or 100% fiction. Uh-huh. And so like, you don't really get the, the grace of having the spectrum of Especially like, Especially on Twitter. Right. So if you don't qualify literally everything of I'm fairly confident, or I think this, or you, you know what I mean? It, I don't know. It's a tiresome act, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is your Sisyphean act for the people, man. You do this all the time. You always like fight the good fight. And it's like, I hate that I'm constantly compared to Sisyphus because <laughs> it's, it's such a personal failure. If, <laughs> if everything I'm pursuing results in a rock getting pushed up a hill, that's going to ultimately roll down and crush me. But sometimes there's hope with the rock rolling up, you know? I'm not seeing you as the... You're still mid But you see the bigger up. analogy here, right? I do, like yes, Sisyphus, the rock falls down. I'm sure yes. Sisyphus thought he was getting to the top and quit also. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't... How there, do you feel on there's your... There's no top. On your task of frightening the people? 
How do you feel you're doing? Shitty. Mm. I feel shitty every day. <laughs> I, I posted something on Instagram yesterday. Uh, it, was a, it was a quote. I can't remember who said it, but it was basically something of uh, something along the lines of those who don't seek enlightenment uh, often fall victim to distraction. Yeah. And I just... I, I, I reposted it and put below it looking for enlightenment or a distraction. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I feel like I'm in this purgatory where it's like can't choose one way or the other, mm -hmm. just like really lost. Uh, you know, you reach a certain age where it's like your pursuits aren't really as noble as they used to be in your mind mm. or they're not as attainable or whatever the case may be. Purpose kind of gets lost. And you just like operate in this fog right. that's pretty consistent. Of like the what's important to me and what's worth my time. Well, because, or... yeah, because when you're younger, like when I was your age, Everything that I poured myself into was a stepping stone. Mm. And I didn't have to define what it was a stepping stone towards. Gotcha. Right? So it's like if I wanted to pour myself into poker and getting good at that and earning wealth, I knew that that was going to be a stepping stone towards something else. Mm -hmm. But as you get older, everything feels like a plateau. Right. And it's there's not. No more, there's no more stones to step, so to speak. Or... Well, there are. But your, your, your awareness of them is so muddled by your past experiences and how, A valuable time is and yeah. how little of it is left and then b how yeah. unimportant each of us are individually yeah. in the grand scale of things so like the more that you get this nihilistic uh understanding of the oh, world come on man you can't you can't dull you can't dull the people like that well i mean it's just like you lose a lot of romanticism as you get older yeah. you know it's like i was pursuing baseball professionally for 15 years of my life and i was a sub 0.1% likelihood of doing it. Yeah. But like that, those odds meant nothing to me then. Right. Right. Like it was in the sense of you thought it was achievable or in the sense that you enjoyed the journey of getting to that point. Like, do you think both? They you were one knew and the it was same. a low percent chance, but you didn't care. Low percent in my mind was like half the time I don't make it. Like it was 50%. In my mind, yeah. But looking back as an observer, you're like, this was clearly sub point oh. Of course. Of course. As, as a 15 year old, you think it's a meritocracy. Yeah. I'm just like, I'll outwork every human being on earth to play baseball. Yeah. And you just forget that, like, it doesn't matter when there are tens or hundreds of thousands of people that are born with 100 extra talent. Right. They don't need, like, you have to work 100x as hard right. just to even be in the same conversation as them. And those people are also still working hard in their own Some right. percentage of them are yeah. working as hard as you are. Right. So, like, they are always going to make it. Yeah. Like, they're the 90th percentile that always makes it yeah. or only fails 10%, right? Where it's like, in my head... You're the hero. I, I'm in control of this journey, right. and I'm either going to make it on my own accord or I'm going to fail because I didn't try hard enough. I can control that I'm going to make Correct. the league. And there was no control because... Yeah. I. Again, like I was such a long shot to even have a look. That hurts, man. It's not just, I mean, that, that's. It's just a little, it's just a little bit saddening, you know? You gotta feel, I feel, I feel. It's I the feel. plight of the romantic, right? Like you, you plan out future stages of your life based on this romantic vision that you have right. of like what you want to be, what do you want to represent, like what's the things noble you're gonna get to, to you. The achievements you want, this, that, or whatever. Yeah, but it, like thing. romantics tend to not delve into tangibles mm. right so it's never like uh i'm gonna have a wife who looks like x and uh works as in a career field of y and i'm gonna have uh z amount of money and i'm gonna be this level of uh respected by the it, that's that's not the way like a romantic builds out their their life path right like it's more like a story that unfolds okay. where you romanticize these uh, certain milestones, right? Yeah. And you romanticize the idea of achieving the unachievable 
and you know becoming these things that you fantasize about like a professional baseball player for would example would you consider failures and those milestones that you would romanticize would be successful in some cases to be a self-sabotaging approach do you think sometimes um, those approachable things fail based off of self-sabotage in these regards i think for me personally yes when it comes to money exactly okay so things that are quantified in money mm-hmm. uh i tend to do or i tend to to underperform when reaching the crux yeah so whether you're talking about poker business uh, or anything else that's relatively transactional, mm-hmm. I shy away from transactions. And I shy away from being uh, measured through my transactional nature, I guess. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was never like super important to acquire uh, the high score when it came to wealth. It was never super important to um, have like X amount of profit whenever I went into some sort of business venture. Right. right? Like for me, it was way more about the journey. Yeah. And there is definitely a level of self-sabotage as the journey starts to become successful Mm -hmm. and money is the byproduct. Right. You start to a little bit shoot yourself in the foot of like, well, this isn't what I set out for or I don't deserve this level of, uh, you know, monetary achievement or whatever the case may be. Like this money doesn't make sense in where I think the journey is now. Yeah. Or I don't think I'm worth the amount of money that's going to be given or has been put into this Less so that and more so sourcing Okay. I think the the money, like I think, uh, as you start to acquire some level of wealth, you start to ask, like, uh, where did this money come from? Mm. And you want to make sure that it's ethically sourced. Okay. And that's kind of hard in this industry. Yeah, right? ethically sourced is a pretty tough one sometimes. Uh. Well, it depends on how far you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Is it money that you acquired through just winning in the game that you're good at? Stop there and you're fine. Of course. But if you start to go further of like, well, how impactful was it to the person that I beat the money out of? Oh. Or oh, go even further down the rabbit hole of like, well, that's a shady character that I beat a lot of money out of. Where do we think he sourced his money from? Right. And who has he taken advantage of or exploited along the way? And right. like, how culpable am I now? And all this? So like, yeah, there's you, a huge mind fuck You can there. kind of play the copium game there of like, oh, this guy did this. The money came from here. It's, it's, all, it's all okay. I don't think it's about copium. I think it's just about accepting the rules of the industry that we're in. Right? Yeah, it's kind of underworldy. Well... Sort of, but not necessarily. It's just more so like when you sit down in a in a above bar environment, call it a casino. Okay. Uh, everything prior to taking that seat shouldn't really matter. It's irrelevant. Right. Like you're just you're just in the arena competing, and right. it's the same thing. Like if you're in the crypto industry or whatever the case would be, like how the money flew uh, flowed into the industry. That doesn't matter. Isn't yours to source. It's right. not your concern. If it was, you just shouldn't be in that industry. Got it. And if if you if you abide by ethics that uh stringent then you're gonna find very few if any industries that you can actually be a part of yeah because like dirty money just exists across the board Mm -hmm. Um, that makes sense and yeah i mean whatever i'm just like all over the place right now this this isn't that important you have good news that's what's really good news yeah you've been uh officially signed as an ambassador for ignition poker where you got your start yeah those are your streets if you will uh, a little cat jam here to announce Got, it finally. Gotta have the cat jam. Let yeah. us in a little bit on uh, what Wild, you'll be doing man. for them and uh, what the what the duration of the. Yeah, so I'm gonna be doing streams from time to time, probably a couple times a month, maybe more, just depending on my availability and how active I'm gonna be. And I really enjoy streaming, so I don't see why I wouldn't do as many as I can. And then wearing a patch for live stuff and representing Ignition. 
and doing all that stuff along those lines when it comes to social media and content creation. So definitely going to come out with some new stuff. And uh, we're starting pretty early because the Ignition Monthly Millions is on Sunday. And I'm going to be streaming that, giving away some tickets there. So I'm really looking forward to this new stuff. And it's wild to me, man. Like, I started playing on Ignition specifically. I started playing 10 cent, 25 cent fast fold. So I started playing from 10 cent, 25 cent Zoom about three years ago, mm -hmm. I want to say. So it's pretty wild that like I put in so many hands, played a lot, and now I'm kind of in this spot where like I've just kind of grew up with that environment for how I've played my entire cash game online career. So uh, uh, I guess as far as like the actual uh, ambassadorship, what, what's your role with the company outside of, I guess, just like being a forward-facing member of the community? And then secondarily... Um, uh, what, what's the duration at which uh, you guys have agreed to be partners? So if you the, can divulge that. Yeah. So it's going to be till the end of the year. Okay. Um, so we're going to start with this last three quarters of the year. So nine months and then see how that goes. And I'm mostly going to be doing things along the lines of having meetings with regards to some game security stuff, doing some things regarding um, just being an effective content creator, mm -hmm. well, as well as just promoting them in the live scene, as well as doing like growing my own platform, like and using Twitch and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Representing that stuff. Yeah, I think I, it's great. Yeah, um, it's wild. It's it's definitely it definitely still hasn't really hit yet. You're living the dream, man. You're it's a living the dream. You know, it's it's one of those romantic milestones. Yeah, 23. You're an ambassador. You yeah. uh, you're officially patched up. Yeah, gotta gotta love that. Yeah. Big series coming up. Couldn't come at a better time. Yeah. You have uh you have any any bonuses in the works if you win a bracelet? Uh no, I just have the bracelet that I made with Perkins a year ago. That's a bonus. That's a bonus. So when I win a bracelet, I'll get a bonus. What uh <laughs> what what are the stipulations of that bet again? Uh it was just he got me again, dude. He got me again. <laughs> I got I got bad information. Um so it's I have to win a live, no limit event. Um and I get eight to one on 10K. Okay. So I have to win a no limit bracelet specifically yeah. live, like can't be an online bracelet. Uh, and if I do that, I win. If I don't, I lose. That simple. Okay. Got to win the bracelet. So this means that you have to play high rollers. Uh, effectively, if I want the deal to be less minus EV than it is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. I mean, there are a couple of good ones on the schedule, but they're not exactly small fields. Like the 25K will probably get. 100, 150 runners. Yeah, yeah, 150, maybe 200. I mean, even the 100K in years past, uh, I know it won't be that big now that the high roller scene has really shifted, but like yeah. back in like 2017, 2016, whenever it was just this one-off 100K that... Uh, oh, was it? The series had like a one... They did the the little one for... Or not, sorry, <laughs> not the little one for one drop. They did uh, the one drop event. The and it was 111K a, one drop. Yeah, so it was 100K every other year, and it was a million dollars every other year for like six years. Uh, so the years that it was 100K, it would get like 150 runners. Right, because it was like the only thing that you could fight. Was it a freeze out? Yeah, uh, one re-entry. One re-entry. Yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah, those so fields like, would get big. I see what you're saying now, because people were talking about the high roller community kind of getting bigger when it came to the exposure and buy-ins of like 25ks and 50ks and yeah yeah, yeah. That run the, consistently now 100k isn't but a uh, smaller field is more correct so a 100k event isn't uh isn't novel anymore mm -hmm. right they just happen all the time every month there's 100k somewhere but it used to be 
Right. It used to be a big deal. Yeah, and Got I also it. think like uh, high rollers specifically, but tournament poker as a whole has probably gotten a little bit tougher. Yeah. So the recreationals aren't fun- firing uh, at those stakes any longer. Right. Um, even like the 10Ks have suffered a lot. Like the 10K 6 Max was way, way, way down the past four or five World Series mm-hmm. compared to, again, like the 2017, 2016 timeframe. Got it. I wasn't even in poker then. Wow. You missed the glory years, buddy. Mm. It's all right. You're fighting a good fight. Yeah. You're just going <laughs> to... Our chat's been trolling for literally 15 minutes, uh, basically saying that we both have syphilis. Uh, oh, got it. Which is impossible, by the way. We are celibate human beings here at the Only Friends one podcast. Makes <laughs> one of us. Um, you check that Tinder, though. The, oh, yeah. We got we to gotta get back on that. That's, that'll be like a Friday special. Yeah. Um, we also have a meetup game to announce. It's going to be Memorial Weekend, May 28th. Uh, we're partnering with MGM to host a 1-2 match stack game. This is actually going to come after uh, the comedy show at The Space, I believe is the name of it, uh, where Stapes will be headlining um, one of the first shows that he's doing back, so we wanted to give him a lot of support. We're all going to go there, get drinks, have a good time, sit through a couple hours of comedy. We'll drink uh, our ghost. We'll bring some ghosts. <laughs> we really we don't drink, out. So. That's right. Got to get hopped up on that pre-workout. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then after the comedy show, probably um, guessing around 9 or 10 p.m., uh, we're going to head to MGM and we're going to do a meetup game, likely to be a drunken meetup game uh, for the remainder of the night. So if you guys are in town, which I imagine almost everyone will be, it's the weekend before the World Series begins. Uh, would love to see you. We'll be doing uh, some fun giveaways. We'll bring merch, uh, things like that. Maybe do some bomb pots. Um, just, you know, splash around a little bit. Have a good time. Yeah. Meet the people. Yeah. The only friends, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't really gone and played much live poker <coughs> in recent past, but I'm definitely looking forward to just kind of playing a little bit, having some fun. And uh, I miss getting people. to play live a lot. You miss getting to play live a lot? Yeah. I mean, I haven't really put in a ton of volume since maybe... Um, I would say... The majority of my volume was like pre-pandemic, like 2019, 18-ish was probably like the last I got to play close to a thousand hours. That was before I moved. To, that was before I came to Vegas. Yeah, right uh, before. Yeah, so I, didn't, um, I only knew you through Twitter. Yeah, last year was good. Like I had a really good year last year, but I didn't play that many hours. I think I only played like five or six hundred hours. Yeah, you kind of crushed on the hustler. Yeah. That, kinda, that was a good win. <laughs> that, was that, a- that was probably like a quarter of my profits. Yeah. Um, and then this year I'm just like not getting any volume in at all yeah i think i've played like 100 hours so far and that's including tournaments which right. are fucking drain so it's like i've played maybe four or five tournaments two or three of which i made day threes and beyond yeah you had a deep run of five diamond too last like at the end of last that was year. december but yeah, yeah uh i think i had covid three, then too day three the WPT very funny I, I keep testing negative for covid when these super spreader events happen so during five diamond like 40 people tested a positive lot of people got sick during five diamond it was and like half the field of day yeah two. yeah and i had the sniffles the entire time like didn't feel that bad but like very clearly felt like i had a cold right tested i don't know five six times negative every single time yeah uh, and same thing this time it's like my i feel like my symptoms have been a lot less than uh like melissa who's comatose and uh, Christian and Brian, who also don't feel well. Yeah, and then Conrad, um, Conrad was dying for a couple of days. Yeah, but and like, now. even with that being said, it's like they all tested positive, and I've taken four tests now and 
negative, yeah. but I still have the sniffles. So yeah. it's like, I don't know, man. Your case of COVID is just called the sniffles. It's, yeah. not, it's not even it's not even like COVID. It's just like Matt gets the sniffles. I mean, that's your sickness is the sniffles. If that's the worst thing that happens to me, I feel like I'm doing it okay. Yeah, I can to, I can live one. with the sniffles. Sauna, I am a little you sauna it out. I'm a little bitch when I have the sniffles though. <laughs> just like cranky and whiny and ornery and like ugh. Yeah, you went to the gym two out of four days. Yeah, blacking. No, not this week. I'll get there every day. Yeah. I'm back. I'm counting calories again. Oh. <laughs> That's we'll save that conversation for later. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good, yeah. In the meantime, I want to talk about Triton a little bit. Uh, we had uh, I don't know if controversy is the right word given the way that it was remedied, but we had a spot come up at the short deck final table. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It was definitely a spot. It was yeah, definitely a spot. So Chris Brewer opened in short deck well, with two queens a, for two thirds of his stack, a new challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. putting out two million with one point one million behind. Folds right. to Rob Young on the button, who's last to act. It's buttons. Button is the double ante. So he's last to act. They squeeze the hand together. Chris said basically that he forgot that he wasn't all in. Saw the ace. Uh, saw the second ace. <laughs> That's a good hand to see. And Rob verbally says, I call, also thinking Brewer was all in. Brewer then exposes the queens and realizes he has 1 million uh, or 1.1 <laughs> million chips back. And he sees it's the second ace. It's just, yeah. oh shit, here we go again. So right about now, he realizes that he actually has chips back. And he also realizes that ICM-wise, this is very, very meaningful. Uh, especially in short deck, a game where being short stacked isn't that big of a deal because there's so much volatility. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, they call for floor ruling. The floor kind of doesn't even make their way over. Uh, before they settle it and they decide to just run it out as is with all information being known by both players rob flops quads makes the decision very easy does rob know that chris has queens yes okay yeah uh so rob flops quads chris ultimately just open mucks as he should and then goes on to win the whole fucking thing because why wouldn't he of course that's what's gonna happen in this scenario act of god right so uh, there was a lot of back and forth of like what should be done here. Um, I think you kind of took a pretty hard stance that like you would have just busted yourself. Well, that was before kind of having the conversation of like in that situation, you can't be the person that takes the loss there. Yeah. Like if someone makes a mistake, which is rather unfortunate, even though they both kind of thought they were all in, like he did say two million. So. Yeah. I can't keep. I can't, I can't keep. I can't keep taking these stances of falling on my sword and be like, you know what? My bad. Yeah, especially like in this instance. It's a massive spot. It's, like, it's you just can't. tens of thousands of EV, if not hundreds of thousands yeah. of EV. You got to play it. And also, Rob was very quick to acknowledge that it was his fault. Yeah. Uh, now, Chris obviously does play a role in this, and truthfully, the only people uh, or the only person who benefits is Chris. So everybody else is losing in this situation, not just Rob. Um, and Rob is actually losing the least because he at least gets to win the pot. Yeah. Right. So the other four remaining final tableists uh, actually take a big L here, ICM wise, as they would have gotten the pay jump. Yeah. Chris goes on to win, uh, and he and Rob actually did something that I think is remarkable. Yeah. They uh, basically were able to do some sort of ca- ICM calculation based off of what would have happened had the cards not been exposed. They crunched some numbers. If you yeah. Know. And they made right by the remaining final tableists. <laughs> paying them uh, some sort of ICM difference compared to where they actually finished. 
So that's sharp. I, yeah. I think that that's like a huge yeah, it's uh, smart. show of good faith yeah. by both of them. Mm -hmm. I expect nothing less uh, specifically from Rob, but uh, I think it's very noble of Chris to step up and yeah. do something in this situation too because, you know, he didn't have to. No, of course not. He, he, just been he like, doesn't always go on to win the tournament here. Of course not. Right? Yeah. Um, so the fact that like he did get the best case scenario and made right by those who were affected, I think is like, it really demonstrates to me why the high stakes community is... Uh, it's a good place. Yes. Like overall, it's a relatively good place. And yeah, yeah there are like people who come in and try to take advantage of yeah. it. Uh, for those of you who are playing along at home on the Berkey catchphrase bingo card, bad actors, if you will. <laughs> That's bad actors. <laughs> B for bad actors right, yeah. on the bingo card. Uh, yes, it, it, it is open to some level of exploitation, but everybody does a really good job of, of self-policing, I think. Yeah. And everybody has a pretty high moral compass, right. with the exception of those who are trying to profit uh, yeah. through unscrupulous measures. Mm -hmm. Speaking of trying to profit through unscrupulous measures... Ali and Jake, Rock, Fader Cruz. Yeah. Nowhere to be found in Triton. Yeah. Seems as though our inside sources are pretty sharp here and that That's it's highly likely Triton has pulled the trigger and banned the RTA squad yeah. from attending their events. Yeah. Which is pretty massive. We kind of alluded to this whenever the, uh, the initial... Um, Accusations came out from Foxen, basically saying, like, if Ali has the gall to show his face at another Triton event, uh, I imagine that Paul will have some choice words for him. Yeah. Took it to another step. Eliminated him completely from the competition. Yeah. So this continues uh, to set the bar higher and higher for uh, other venues such as WSOP and PokerGo when it comes to running high roller events. Yeah, the snowball is growing. Right. I'll be curious to see if anything happens prior to the initial kickoff 100K bounty event mm -hmm. at the WSOP. What an interesting tournament to start off with, huh? It really is. And 100K, <clears throat> 25K bounty. I think it's very attractive to recreationals. Uh, yeah. I think the idea that you can knock four people out and break even is How really attractive. How are going to play? Um, good question. Yeah, well, they don't, you don't really think about that when you only also, know it's four people. Also, is it re-entry? Probably. You probably get one re-entry. Maybe one? I think it's one re-entry. Okay, I would, say, I would set the over-under at like 35. So you have to knock out four people out of 35? You have to knock out like 10% of the field. Yeah. yeah. Secret, that's secret. Yeah. Good tournament, go, go, Great, go. great tournament. Yeah, Everybody show up for the bounty. Ooh, clap um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I think that on the surface is very attractive to recreationals. I think practically speaking, these traditional bounty tournaments are really bad. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the high roller because if you show up on time, it's rake free, I believe. But in general, it's very bad because what ends up happening is the entire prize pool is raked normally, but you don't really have access to the bounty prize pool. Is that how WSOP works? Is yeah. it it's rake free for the high rollers if you're on time? Uh, oh, that part I'm not sure. I okay. think it's true. Because I know it's true for like, it's true poker, for poker go girls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could be I could be incorrect about that. Mm -hmm. In which case, I think we'll see a lot of late late entry. Um, do we think that, or do we have confirmation that these are 
PokerGo Tour events, or we're not sure yet? Still? Not sure of that either. Okay. Uh, I also haven't done my due diligence to look, to be honest. Yeah. Math says it's one re-entry and late regs until the day, uh, start of day two. So I would imagine a lot of people will... Math in the chat, such a godsend. It's so Thank great. Thank you, Math. Uh, I would imagine that uh, those who do late... So if it is rake free on the first bullet, anyone who plans to re-enter, I imagine will just max late reg. Yeah. Uh, it seems to make a lot of sense. But... Uh, maybe it, not though with the bounty element of it well it depends on the percentage of the field that's gone because in a PKO it is less incentivized to play the tournament with more of the field gone because with the bounty that is unreclaimable prize pool money right but so, PKOs are different in the sense that you still it's worse in a traditional bounty I think because okay. it, it's bad you want to play the bounties from the start. Yeah, but it's it's significantly worse okay, than a traditional yes. bounty because in the PKO, at least half of those bounties still remain in play. Got it. Right? Right, and the regular bounty is just gone. It's just gone. It's gone. And uh, more importantly, like, even if you win a traditional bounty tournament, uh, so for instance, let's say that this gets 50 runners, right? 5 million in the prize pool, and it's just a traditional high roller. First place would generally be somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, what? Is it 20%? Uh, for a field that small, I think it's going to be like 25. 25. So it's probably going to be somewhere 5. between like a million and 1.25 mm -hmm. in that neighborhood, right? Yeah. Um, but when you extrapolate the bounties out or extract the bounties out, yeah. now we have um, a uh, 3.75 million prize pool yeah. and then a bounty prize pool, right? Yep. So now first place is probably only going to get somewhere in the neighborhood K. of like 800k Eight to so like a 400k difference yeah and they're never ever ever going to knock out 20 people yeah so You're they'll never, never recoup that through bounties mm -hmm. right they'll be lucky to recoup a fraction of it yeah and maybe pull uh 100 150k in bounties that would be a really really that good would be event a great event well winning the tournament for one and then right. getting six knockouts out of 50 would be monstrous yeah yeah, I mean, like, if you, I guess if you, like, eliminated the entire final table, just went coast to coast, like, yeah, you're going to get a pretty big chunk of the Humble of the brag, I did that once in a PKO, mm. and it was, I got seven out of eight, and it was one of the most satisfying experiences of my life. Yeah. Or you're just there, and you're like, well, I guess I'm just going to absorb this and this, and then it increases your bounty when you win. Right. Highly recommend that. Great feeling. It is a good feeling. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if the RTA squad is able to show up. To, <laughs> that's a good name for them. Yeah, I think that's good for now. It's 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 a working title. We'll see. Um, yeah, mine was too cool. The, the Shadow Crew. Oh yeah, I, I want to be a part of the Shadow Crew. You make it sound so appealing. <laughs> uh, so we'll see if the RTA squad shows up for the first event of WSOP. Yeah. Uh, we do still have a few weeks for something to change. Um, and then also it's like one of those things where you know, if they, if there is uh, a ban in place, we won't be aware of it until that event. Right. Yeah. So either they're going to get turned away at the cage or we are just going to not see them in the field. Yeah. Uh, in any event, we're going to have, you know, relative confirmation, but I'll keep my ear to the, to, to the, to the ground, you know, yeah, you keep your see ear what the these sources are saying. Yeah. Maybe give us a little bit of feedback here and there. The logical conclusion would be if they have the ability to play a high buy in tournaments, they will play the in their high backyard buy in nonetheless. Yes. Yeah. So if they're not at the high buy in tournaments. You, you, you do the math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of cheating, before we get to the, uh, the social topic of, of Doug's take on health and beauty. Oh, good segue, man. That's great. Which we'll, <laughs> we'll spend plenty of time on. But uh, we do have uh, 
I don't want to say confirmation, but we've had conversations with uh, a few players in the high stakes online arena. Yeah. And again, this doubles back on what we were saying about like how incredible the high stakes community is at both policing itself and holding a relatively high uh, moral conduct amongst one another and yeah. keeping that standard across the board, even if operators aren't necessarily doing all that they can do. Um, we spoke privately with a couple of people that basically said uh, over the last couple of months since the launch of GTO Wizard, yeah. they've noticed a collection of players who are operating specific lines in 3-bet pots that are only replicable in GTO Wizard. Right. So in other words, uh, the way that they're studying the game, they as in the players that we're speaking to, um, the way that they're running their sims, the way that they're looking at these spots in 3-bet pots don't play out through the same line work, but it directly mimics right. what GTO Wizard would do in these spots. And in some instances, they may consider it to be a mistake. In other instances, they may consider it to be like negligible. But regardless, what the consensus is, is that reg uh, regardless of the accuracy of GTO Wizard, it's far better than what an intuitive human being would be right. doing in these nodes. It's like brute solver greater than sign human. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Computer brain out outmaneuvering uh, human brain. Right. And for what it's worth... In three bet pots, making a small mistake is very easy. It's right. very easy to make like a multiple big blind per hundred mistake in a three bet pot mm -hmm. because the pot's already so big. And if you make a, if you choose a size that might lose like 0.5 big blinds in a hand, that extrapolates pretty quickly if you play yes. hundred if you play the hand a hundred times. Right. Um, so this this kind of like brings us all the way back to uh, this notion that. The barrier of entry for RTA is continually getting lower and yeah. less sophisticated. Uh, or sorry, not less sophisticated. It's getting more sophisticated, but... The RTA is getting more sophisticated. The ease of access is getting easier. Correct. So there's low sophistication in some of the RTA that's taking place. Right. And the biggest relevance to that is that it's making games tougher or creating winners out of otherwise losing players. Right. Or allowing players that would never play for said stakes to now play said stakes with the confidence of not making mistakes that right. others in the pool that are humans are making. Correct. Inherently capitalizing and increasing your hourly. So, yeah, so it basically uh, restructures the hierarchy of, like, players that were breaking even slash winning small before are now losing small or losing big because players that were otherwise losing now, right. now uh, the leapfrog them. The win rate gets them. siphoned by the computer copiers where yep. all you have to do is know how poker works and have a mouse and have the site open. Yeah. And then... Like some buttons. So this is relevant for a couple reasons uh, in, uh, I, I guess, like the current landscape. We know that GG has been openly diligent about fighting against this. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a fair idea of like who makes up that list of 40 or 50 that have been banned. Yeah. Uh, that list seemingly has increased. Uh, I've also like heard from certain sources that, and this was something that I wasn't even aware of, but like Bryn is uh, banned from GG as well, mm. which makes so much sense. Right, because it's like Bryn's banned. His number one horse is banned in Sergio. Uh, obviously, if he had a good relationship with them, we would either know why Sergio was banned, Sergei, or yeah. or yeah, Sergi rather. Uh, we would either know why, or it would have been reversed, yeah. right? Um, but at the end of the day, they both just got the ban hammer, which makes a hell of a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. um, so we know GG has a pretty strong policy on this. 
We saw that Stars followed suit by banning uh, the same group of people from the EPTs. We see Triton now doing this as well. What we don't really hear from is the gray market in America. So ACR is still a site that there's very little feedback as far as like how well they're policing. Yeah. And uh, from the sources that we were speaking to, they were saying that this is the biggest problem in ACR cash. Yeah. Uh, basically, they presented this evidence to uh, a myriad of sites and most of them responded by banning the collective group that were being accused of using GTO Wizard in real time. Yeah. With the exception of ACR. Yeah. So uh, I think that that's important uh, and something to take note of because, you know, it is one of those sites that's constantly under fire as far as like botting uh, potential security. Uh, yeah. yeah, potential security risks such as uh, cheating rings, collusion rings, whatever the case may be. Uh, and Call then. It what you will. Yeah, and then we don't know to what degree any sort of RTA is taking place. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Streets like, are tough. It's definitely tough in the streets, but talking to the people that I was talking to around this stuff um, are also very confident that the games are still very beatable. Yeah. And that it's not one of these apocalyptic wastelands yet where it's like no one's winning, it's the regs versus all versus themselves, and there's no more money to be made. Right. If anything, it's a complete opposite of they think that games are great and putting in volume has been better than ever. Yeah. And there are still bad actors that slowly do get removed, and mm -hmm. removing them one at a time is the best way to do it. Well, there's no doubt that people definitely still think it's a profitable landscape to play in. I mean, uh, Sunday grinds are as alive as they've ever been. Dude, sun yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed sweating pads throughout uh, Scoop right now. Yeah, and and like a lot of the big GG events. He crushes the content game on Instagram. Um, <laughs> he's even got his own, he's got his own chicken meme now. He's got the... I don't know what that means. He's like, he, well, you got the chicken where he's just, he goes like this. And you, do you not remember this? No, I don't. Oh, you missed it. He ch Pad, Pads, I know you're watching. You saw it. It's a chicken wing for Pat. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just you, here I'll, for... I'll have to show it to you, but you'll see it. You'll see it. It's fine. It's I, fine. I, I literally just watch for the come on for the boys. Or come on the boys. <laughs> yep. A, Hashtag COTB. It's a very uh, English. That is a very Eng English. Yeah. British phrase. That and then yeah. Y-E-H. For no, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah just, I haven't seen a lot of that. No, not from his content. Currently just, the Mamacita has been, has been the... That's the pads. He, he sings Mamacita to the tune of Lion King's... Uh, like the opening of whatever the fuck they got say it, got it, got it. now it's just mamacita and apparently just queens and tens have been like the hands mm. of scoop thus far yeah we need to have a timeout counter of when he has the nuts mm. yeah, I think yeah he's currently at two i i'll take the over yeah he had the queen eight against european and then he had the aces that he folded yes. in the GG spot. So. I remember both of those. I thought that there was a third one, but I could yeah. be wrong. So the conspiracy is it might just be for content. It gets the clicks. It, it got me to show up. Click. That's for sure. I just yeah. wanted to see what else he was going to misclick. And now you, now you stay. He's doing great. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I came across another content creator uh, throwing up the Sunday sweat. We see Tim Riley here giving mm -hmm. us a quick glimpse of his setup on a long Sunday. What is that? What is that? I don't know, man. What is it? I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. But it looks like something. It does. I don't know what it is. Me neither. But it looks like something. That's all I'm going to say. It's clearly ACR on the left. Yeah. He's playing ACR. Yeah. yeah. I can see that part. <laughs> What's on the laptop, man? 
I don't know. What's in the box? I don't know, but it looks like an interface of some sort. Yeah. And, you know, the, the image is very blurry, obviously, because it's a video and uh, it pans very quickly. But uh, some sus. I looked at it and I immediately said that's GTO Wizard. Yeah. Immediately was just like, that is <laughs> clearly, but it might clearly not, GTO it Wizard. It might not be. It might not be. It might not be. Uh, it might be a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. I don't know. And I would hope that he would be smart enough to not just uh, out himself that way. Yeah. But it does look sus. Yeah. It would be a pretty bad self-report. <laughs> I think it would be epic. I think uh, it would be yeah. the best self-report of all time. <laughs> um definitely looks sus i thought it was worth bringing attention to yeah uh i don't know i mean maybe it's easily explained away um but you know that onus is on them i think uh when we see sus things in the community we should just see something say something we should just say something yeah that's it classic you know don't stay quiet this is how people get away with shit yeah you gotta you gotta come out shine a light on the darkness yeah basically batman Are you the Batman of the poker industry? No. <laughs> Who's the Batman? Uh, I don't know that we have one. Uh, maybe it's Rob Young. Rob Young is the Batman? I can see it. He's in the shadows. Shadow realm, kind of the vigilante of justice. Also, I, I think Batman with a, with a, like a harsh British, a- British accent would just kill. Hmm. Like, that's right? Like, he has like the snatch ac- accent almost. Gotcha. And it'd just be like, imagine him as Batman. Can you give us a Batman accent? No. <laughs> can you try not. absolutely not i i refuse say where 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 is he where's the joker in I'm the batman. in the british batman voice i can't do british batman you gotta do sure. british batman voice i could just do deep deep throated batman. <laughs> sure i'm batman <laughs> nice all right <laughs> enough of the nonsense let's get to the shits uh hot take yesterday terribly terribly hot stinky take uh, Doug Polk decided to take it upon himself to be the judge, jury, and executioner of all things that are fashionable, beautiful, and healthy for the public eye to see. Basically, wanted to shine a light on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model yeah. uh, cover and say something to the effect of this is not what healthy looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should not be promoting obesity in the public eye. He then went on to say, heart disease kills the most people in America every year. This is because our nation is externally fat. Extremely fat, but go on. Oh, sorry. You're good. Extremely fat. I see an incredible amount of, but when did obese mean unhealthy responses? You on average live a shorter life if you're obese. Normalizing this kills people. Um, I think that take is reasonable, but it's also just like walking back his initial point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final tweet was, I think there's a reasonably strong quote unquote people should be happy with who they are argument for promoting feeling good about your body regardless of situation the negative trade-off though is that sometimes you need to you need pain to make the real important changes in your life Mm. now that's kind of a sentiment that personally i can get behind i i do believe that there's a lot of beauty in the struggle i do believe that we as human uh human beings are species if you will yeah, we are meant to struggle and overcome, and we find a lot of beauty in, in the successes that are born out of struggle. Yeah. But he loses me a lot on the overarching sentiment. Um, I don't think comparing the body type of a woman who is being glorified uh, by a, a swimsuit magazine to somebody who is suffering or struggling with their weight yeah. is a fair 
one-to-one comparison. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about this woman. He has no idea if she has struggled in the past or currently with weight in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. He has no idea if she's unhealthy. He has no idea if she's unhappy with the way she looks, and I would wager that she's not. Yeah. What if what if that I mean, this is a for instance, I don't know anything about her either, but what if she, in that picture she's actually 200 pounds lighter than she previously was? Mm-hmm. Should we celebrate her then? Yeah. Why does it matter? Right. Why would it make any sort of difference? Yeah. Whether she had gained 50 pounds or lost 200 or had just been this weight her entire life, what the fuck is the difference? Yeah. Right? What do we gain by spotlighting her body image? as problematic in any way shape or form nothing really nothing nothing uh and (laughs) i think trying to spin it into a health debate which is what i want to focus on yeah because i think we can all agree that his take is hot garbage when it comes to the idea that like this type of person shouldn't be celebrated in a public forum yeah um but i want to lean into the health side of it because i think that he's just practically and fundamentally wrong about the vast majority of the things that he's implying this photo demonstrates, right? So from my vantage point, first and foremost, if you want to criticize somebody that doesn't meet your ideal body type for publicly displaying themselves for the entire world to see and judge, right? Like that in and of itself is a hard hurdle to cross. Definitely. If you want to be the the person who shines a light on that and says that it's problematic for reason X, Y, and Z, first and foremost, don't choose somebody who's in the minority. Yeah. Right? Don't choose an ethnic woman when you could go point to the Sports Illustrated, or sorry, the uh, the ESPN body magazine that has like Warren Sapp on the cover. Mm-hmm. Like you would never point to Warren Sapp and say this guy embodies poor health. Yeah. Right, because we've normalized the idea that men come in all shapes and sizes, and that big means strong. Yeah. Right. We haven't normalized the idea that women can be any size other than this perpetuated one that has been on the cover of swimsuit magazines for the better part of half a century. Right. And that's wherein lies the problem with this take. Yeah. Right. This has nothing to do with whether or not she's healthy. This has nothing to do with Doug's ability to observe her as a model on a magazine cover and determine her level of health. Yeah. Currently or moving forward. Yeah, because like we've also just heard stories of friends of ours who look looked at some point in their lives aesthetically healthy, if you will, but were not living healthy and active lifestyles. Right. Right. So it's hard to take to eye test and say what someone is. Right. And there are a lot of people who are fucking busting their asses to do better and to fight against genetics and to be a be- the best version of themselves, yeah. even if it doesn't meet Doug Polk's criteria, right. that are happy with the results and happy with the final product yeah. that he is now judging and saying is fundamentally unhealthy or obese. Yeah. Right? If you want to actually take Doug's stance and say, we should not promote obesity we should not promote unhealthy bodies we should not promote uh people who are living lifestyles that perpetuate these sort of diseases then take issue with fast food advertisements Mm -hmm. call up mcdonald's or out mcdonald's for being every fucking commercial in between a child's cartoon right right 
take issue there. If you're really just for the cause, then get to the root cause of why these issues actually right. exist. Because the fact of the matter is, we have normalized that women need to look a certain way for a long time, half a century, maybe yeah. longer, right? Yeah. And that certain way is very petite, very thin, very curvy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And you know what the country as a whole has done throughout that time frame? Gotten fatter. Yeah. Significantly fatter. Yeah. And developed body dysmorphia issues and developed these unrealistic mental images of what an attractive person should look like. Yeah. Based strictly off of marketing ploys. Yeah. That have nothing to do with health. Mm-hmm. So it just has, it has all to do with aesthetic versus correct, health. Correct. Yeah. And what's aesthetically pleasing to Doug isn't necessarily aesthetically pleasing to everybody. Right. You don't this, get to be the judge during executioner correct. of what is and is not healthy. Correct. This woman is insanely attractive to, I would say, the simple majority of the population. Yeah. Right? The, like, whether you want to debate whether it's 100% people find her attractive or 80 or 90 or 70 it's or 50, point, right? it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is that she's objectively attractive. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, that's not even what matters. Because no. if, if, she, if she wasn't objectively attractive, it still wouldn't be uh, like, an incident. Where objectively we objectively could... or inobjectively when it comes to aesthetics isn't the important part here. Right. If we're talking about health specifically. Right. Like, what I'm... Tr- yeah, yeah. At the end of the day is... Uh, I guess I was that that was kind of an aside of like you're you're also like barking up the wrong tree trying to like shame somebody who most people are just going to find attractive anyway. Yeah. But on top of that, like yeah, the, what really matters is that this is such an outward projection of, hey, I just discovered that you can pick up heavy things and eat a little bit better and not be obese. Yeah. So now I'm going to tell the whole world how easy it is to just be healthier and live a better lifestyle. Yeah. And it's like such a ridiculous fucking take. It is a ridic- yeah uh, yeah. I mean even for like myself so to speak when it comes to my health journey, like I've it's been tough. Like and not easy because some days like it's tough and you there were days when I would imagine and like understand like the place that I wanted to be in and mm-hmm. still feel that way now. Where like I want to try to achieve this aesthetic that might not be achievable for myself. Right. And the only way I'll know if that's true or not is by actually putting in the work and trying. But it's not about judging the aesthetic of is this healthy or is this not? Because I want to get there in a healthy fashion. Like I don't want to starve myself and lose all of like my weight at one time in an unhealthy way because that's not actually healthy right i'm actually not doing any myself any favors in that regard right am i gonna look better yeah i will because i got i've lost a lot of weight from where i became but if i don't eat because i don't think i should eat and i feel hungry because i want to like lose weight or look a certain way that starts becoming unhealthy and i don't want to take that stance yeah like i just want to do the things that make sense to me and if i feel if i'm hungry i'm gonna eat and eat the right things and do it that way yeah i'm not gonna effectively like try to give myself some a part time with that. Right. I I mean, I first started picking up weights when I was like 13 years old. Yeah, not me. And it was because initially it was because I was chubby. Right? Like I was fat mat at that age. And I wasn't you weren't, you weren't even fat. Though. Right, no, of course not. But like everything's amplified at that age. And it, and it rhymed. Yeah. But <laughs> but when you're young, everything's amplified. So it's like I literally was a normal weight. Mm-hmm. Um but 
I wasn't as athletic looking as I wanted to be. Right. I wasn't in the shape that I wanted to be. And I wasn't, I wasn't a reflection of what I was striving for, which was to be a professional athlete. Right. Right. So I, I wanted to get in the gym. Like you didn't embody what you thought a professional athlete embodied. Correct. Yes. So I wanted to start the work. I wanted to start the process, but I didn't do it smartly because I was 12, 13 years old and the internet wasn't really a thing. And I didn't have a lot of resources. I just showed up. Right. So I would just keep showing up and I would go to the gym and I lifted like shit and I did bench and biceps every single day for like the first year. And, uh, you know, I was lucky, like Brian and I, LaManna, uh, we both started lifting at the same time at this local gym. It was a fucking dungeon. It was literally a dungeon. It was below my apartment in the basement Had like one or two hanging lights like you would see in a Rocky movie. Right. And then just like iron everywhere. <laughs> so it was called the Iron Pit. I'll never forget this place. It, it, I really grew up in this in this gym, and the owner was Art Wiggum. He was this five foot eight redneck from the military with a mullet, flowing in the wind. But he was just big and stocky, and like you would, ev- everybody man. would like want to to be Art in a physical form, just you know, minus the the lack of height. Yeah. And I remember we both went down there and we were a little bit intimidated, but uh, he kind of just let us do our own thing. So one of the first days we were down there, there was a hack squat machine. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's like a a, a machine on a 45 degree angle where you load the weight on your shoulders and you're on a platform that's also at a 45 degree angle and you squat down like on this machine, keeping your motion in line. Seems scary. No, 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 it's not. Okay. Uh, it, it's, okay. It's, it's developed form, right? Okay. So it's, it's prior to actually free squatting. Right. Hack squat is a great way to start to develop good form, okay. right? And get your squat patterns down. Is it like using a Smith machine for bench? To some degree, yes. Not, not exactly The Smith machine, if you were to use it for a squat, doesn't do anything to... Uh, all it does is keep the bar level on your shoulders, right? So imagine a, a Smith machine where you're actually rigidly your back is against something right. keeping you in place the entire time. Like it basically allows you to have good form. Correct. So we didn't know what this machine was. Right. We had seen it maybe once prior. This thing? Yeah, this is, this is a hack squat this machine. But this one, this looks a lot better than what it, that, it looked like. Oh, yeah. The, the one we were on was... Not this. It was not this. I mean, <laughs> it, it was similar in construction, but it was like red chipped paint, rust, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, real piece of shit. But uh, we had maybe seen one before, like in our gym that yeah. we had never used. So we go down there and we see it. First thing that comes to mind is like, let's get some calves going, baby. So we lay face down in it. Oh, so you don't, okay, so you don't know how it works. No. So we lay face down. The, the side handles, which allow you to release, are on our side. So, like, we're winging it back like this, right? And we start doing calf raises. Wow. On the, so, we're basically, like, dry humping yeah. this machine. Strong. And he just, he, <laughs> he walks over military style, right? So, he just puts his hands behind his back. He's this little guy, and he walks over, and he goes, Well, that's one way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, what do you mean? This isn't how it works. And we're like, uh, what do you mean? Exactly, yeah. And he's like, well, I wouldn't do it that way. And we're like, okay, like, what are you supposed to do? And he showed us the correct form. What are you form. supposed to do, strong guy? Right. So he showed us the correct form, and we're all just like, oh, okay, we're idiots. Oh, we're like, oh, right. that's how okay. it works. I understand. Yeah. And, like, that was part of the learning process, right? But, again, this, this was my formidable years, right? This was the closest to education that I got when it came to fitness and nutrition. Yeah. And the whole place was still scattered with bodybuilding magazines and athletes and, you know, 
uh, Nomar Garcia Parra on the body edition of ESPN, who's just shredded head to toe. Were there other people in this gym at the time? Or very small, like not really? At, at that very moment, no. It literally had just opened. As wow. we got older, so I lifted there until I was like out of college. Wow. This uh, was your home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Art sadly passed away uh, like 15 years ago. But um, this, this was where I stayed grounded. Like we would always go back there. And it was such a collection of people, right? Like there were... Uh, you know, former track stars that were turned into line coaches for the football team. And there were, there were uh, baseball players and football players and basketball players. We were all down there grinding yeah. from a tiny town where we're all trying to make it. Right. Yeah. So we all had this common goal in mind, but the information was bad, right? Like it was very limited in nature. So it was a lot of old, old school tactics, uh, how they were taught that type of stuff. And, you know, when I got to college and was given a trainer and, uh, you know, um, uh, I can't think of what it's called, like an athletic trainer where they're, they're keeping you injury free and things like that. Mm-hmm. Everything started to contradict. So it's like, now I have to find my sources and, and vet them and figure out like what information is correct and what's not. And like this whole process leaves you very confused. Right. But when you get out the other side, all of a sudden you feel like a goddamn authority. Yeah. Right. And I think back to how arrogant I was when I was 22, 23, 24, fresh off of being a collegiate athlete, fresh off of having all these resources surrounding me and being surrounded by friends who were doing none of the thi- none of those things. They were barely making it to the gym. They were eating like shit. They were just living a life of a young 20-something trying to make it in the world. And I was insanely critical, similar to Doug's take. Yeah. And I was constantly fist-wagging or finger-wagging and saying like, you need to eat uh, you need to eat like this amount of calories right. and you need to eat this amount of protein. It's so easy. Like, it's so easy. Do you know what you're doing to yourself? Like you're, you're literally hurting yourself so much. And right. And it was always framed as it's so easy. Just eat less and easy. lift more. It is not easy. Right. But, and yeah. it's like this is this is something that like Polk and I have fought about publicly on Twitter endlessly where <laughs> he just constantly reduces getting into shape to eating at a caloric deficit and walking right. and like making it seem like it's that pedantic and simple. Yeah. And it's just like not the calories out calories. in. it's thing. so nuanced. Like the body is such a nuanced system. It would be like trying to break poker down to saying like, yeah, you just need to value bet and bluff. Right. And if you do those things, you're a winning poker player. It's like, that's an asinine take. Right. Just like eating fewer calories and doing some exercise is an asinine take yeah. to getting into decent shape and health. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of people who've gone on a weight loss journey that have lost a ton of weight and did not get healthy along the way. And what ends up happening is the weight re- rebounds and they have complicated problems now because they have like created this crash dieting system yeah. that they know has results, right? So like, I yeah. just think about how irresponsible it is to go out and not only shame somebody who's publicly putting themselves out there, but to do so in a way that sounds holier than thou where you say listen you're part of the problem right and i'm the solution or i have a solution right that is effective and should be taken extremely seriously as the code of law correct and it's like if you really want to try to aid in the problem of obesity educate yeah don't talk down to people don't use people as examples of what's wrong with society today right don't don't watch a show like fit to fat to fit and point at the people who are fat trying to improve and say like they're doing it wrong right. or they're not motivated enough or 
Yeah. They they aren't willing to struggle the way I was willing to struggle when yeah. I was a broke up and comer, yeah. battling twenty four tables, knowing I wasn't good enough. It's like your journey is not everybody's journey. Yeah, like and some like, people just operate differently in that regard when yeah. it comes to just ways of either encouragement or lack thereof. Like we, you and I are both kind of in the camp of there's kind of a balance in the sense of like there is some sort of like harsh reality of like you can be better, better, but there's also like acknowledging like the struggle prior yeah so like having this oh man like i hated the person i was then and that made me the person i am now there's more to it than just that yeah yeah and on top of that like emotions and psychology are very fragile yeah and they're a big part of this this recipe and it's also not being considered whenever uh using a platform to publicly display somebody's insecurities in a situation where they've propped themselves up to feel secure about the thing that you're attacking yeah right like, I just think all of this is a very poor way of trying to message that America needs to do a better job of getting in better health. Yeah. It's like, first of all, sure, but that's an aside. And secondly, who cares? Man, calling it easy is so, it's so wrong. <laughs> like, especially when it comes to, like, the lack of resources that mo- the, uh, the vast majority of the population have, as well as time in the day. It's just dismissive. Yeah. It's just so dismissive. Oh, it's so easy. Of, just go to the gym. Just no, but it's just so dismissive out. of how complicated the system is. It's so hard, dude. Uh, it's, it's, it's what, what's hard is understanding that the process of being healthy and getting healthy is not as simple as saying like, okay, I want to lose X amount of pounds. And when that occurs, I'm, I'm now healthy. Right. Right. That's not it. Cause like, of course, if your goal is to lose 50 pounds, eating at a caloric deficit and walking every fucking day will get you there. Yeah. But you won't sustain it and you won't have gotten healthy along the way. Yeah. It's a full blown lifestyle change. Yeah. And on top of that, it requires very significant education of how the body and all the systems within work in cooperation with regard to storing fat, burning fat, uh, utilizing caloric energy in a way that allows us to be efficient as opposed to kind of battling against it, where hunger stems from, the emotions around hunger, the psychology around hunger, and then the physical... uh, Physicality. Physiology Physiology. around hunger, right? It's it's a programmed mechanism in our brain, but it's largely controlled by hormones. It's a lot more than just... Uh, it's not as simple as just yeah, eat less. Yeah, you can't just eat less. Right. Like, yeah, you'll lose weight, and, but it's not what you... It's not the goal. Right, and it's also right. not as simple as uh, don't eat shit food either. Yeah. It's like, that's something that I've probably been screaming from the rooftops since I was a kid right. growing up on shit food. It's yeah, like, yeah. I know what it's like to live off of that trash, and it's fucking awful. Yeah. But it's it, it's not that simple of a message because in our country the reason why if we want to get to root cause analysis the reason why we're obese across the board is because of availability mm-hmm. we have the most yeah. powerful food industry in the entire fucking world mm-hmm. and the vast majority of it is profiting off of garbage very 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 tiny niche subset of the food industry is interested in health and nutrition the vast majority, when you're talking about massive companies, Nabisco, Kraft, uh, Kellogg, across the board, they have no interest in health. They have yeah. no interest in nutrition. They have interest in bottom line. Yeah, of course. Like, when did we think it was a good idea to put grams of sugar into your body as breakfast? Right. You know why? <laughs> where, where it's like, oh, this is a good idea. Cereal with sugar in it. You know That's why? That's how you start the day. There's two simple reasons for it. It's cheap and it's effective. 
And get you tasty. fucking hooked. It's so tasty. Or get you hooked. Yeah. Right? It has an absolute impact on your 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 biochemistry. It has an impact at the hormonal level that will have you coming back for more. It creates a Pavlov's dog effect. There's a reason why it's continued to be the tried and true method. Right. Right. If sugar were expensive or ineffective, it wouldn't be the number one. The same thing with high fructose corn syrup. Right. They wouldn't be the number one ingredients. Right. Like if eggs were the most addictive things or whatever, it would be eggs. And the irony with that is that because the FDA is in bed with the vast majority of these conglomerates, yeah. we see things like what we saw throughout the 80s and 90s like where eggs were crucified. Eggs were crucified? Eggs were considered to be the cause of high cholesterol, and most of the epidemiology studies were finding ways to back that yeah. because nutritional epidemiology is <laughs> fucking garbage. You can never control for the variables. Yeah. Like they're just largely trash. Yeah. So it's really easy to create a study and manipulate it in any way, shape or form that you see fit. So for the better part of two decades, we were led to believe that like consuming cholesterol led to high cholesterol. And if you eat good foods like eggs and butter and meat, you're going to fucking die. Yeah. So go have a Nabisco waffle right. and have a, a side of syrup right. and, you know, a glass of orange juice and call that breakfast. Yeah. I remember seeing something on Twitter where, like, it was the nutrition facts of an ostrich egg. And this thing was massive. Oh, yeah. They're like 3,000 calories. Yeah. They're like infinite calories, bunch of fat, bunch of protein, and a bunch of, like, uh, nutritionists, like exercise people are like, I want five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, as somebody who has spent the better part of adulthood being hyper-focused and vigilant on my health and, and nutrition and caring. Gotta stay young, man. I mean, it's partly wanting to stay young. It's partly wanting to feel as good as possible when you get out of bed. And it's yeah. also part of like wanting to cling to your own personal aesthetics, like whatever standard you set for yourself aesthetically, 100%. you don't want to fall off, right? Yeah. The idea is to stay in the process long enough that you don't see a deterioration that's so vast, you look in the mirror and don't like what you see, Yeah. right? So in order to do all of those things, it comes with a lot of education and it comes with a lot of being somewhat familiar with the science, understanding how the metabolic system works, understanding how the digestive system works, understanding like what goes into building muscle, what goes into storing fat. Like these are all incredibly nuanced, complicated topics yeah. that experts go to school for, for four to 10 years in order to get a very deep understanding of. Yeah. So like throwing some fucking bro science at it and saying like, Hey, I've been at this for a couple months because I made a big bet. Yeah. You guys should all listen to me and having the megaphone to actually put that message out there and have tens of thousands of people respond is a fucking problem. You know, what it's irresponsible really cool, though. Like just, I don't know if it's going to happen. Like I literally have no idea. But like, let's say Doug had a journal of every week of the things he was supposed to do, the exercises he was supposed to do in order to get to his goal to complete it. Like if he does end up completing it, that would be something really cool to see. Yeah, but I like, agree. Because obviously Doug if you're has- If honest. Yeah, like obviously Doug has the best people working with him when it comes to reaching his goal because he has enough money and resources to do that. Mm -hmm. Why would you not make the most of it? Right. So like seeing a breakdown of going from where he was to where he wants to be and succeeding and seeing the workouts, seeing what worked for him, seeing the foods he ate. Also like, like how much, how much resource went into it, right? How much time, money, energy, right. all of those things went into it be because really cool that way it. at the end of the day, you don't end up with some sort of, uh, diluted message right, you don't have one sentence that says i did this check how easy it is exactly like 
the 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 big pushback I had on Perkins uh transformation was him making it sound so easy. Yeah. Right? He was just basically like, yeah, I worked out for like 25 minutes a day, ate what my trainer told me to eat and didn't waste any mental energy on thinking about it otherwise. And now look at me. I'm fucking 7% body fat. Yeah. It's like, okay, A, you're a genetic freak, you have to be, or or there was like uh something else being utilized. And B, Stop with the bullshit, man. It wasn't that easy. If it's you had really to hard. log and track every single thing that went into this, it's not as simple as a 25-minute-a-day workout right. and eating your macros the way that they say to be eaten. And a lot of stuff was outsourced. Just right. was. So it's like, exactly. were you doing the work? No, but like a lot of work obviously went into it, which is not a surprise. Like, yeah. It was pretty shocking to me, like talking to Jamie yesterday when she was like running uh, track at Rutgers, and mm -hmm. I was like, was there a nutritionist or something that kind of helped people understand what fuck they should eat? No. And she was like, absolutely the fuck not. Like, <laughs> yeah. not, no, of course not. Bro, it's like, I lived, nutritionist? I like, lived on pasta in college. I was eating five, 6,000 calories a day. You also lived on the steak a day one of those times. No, no, that was when, that, <laughs> no, was, that was after. much more recent and it was with purpose. But like, I didn't know. I would literally, I thought I was eating healthy. I legitimately thought I was doing my damnedest to right. eat nutritionally sound. Exactly. Because I was buying like frozen tortellini. Right. Or frozen ravioli. And in my head, like this is the stuff my grandparents made homemade. Right. So it's like, oh, my granddad makes homemade ravioli. That has to be good of food. Of course it's, it's good It's homemade. Yeah. Right? But it's, it's a lot of processed shit. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, the meat was good. But, like, now change that into, like, cheese raviolis or cheese tortellini. And it's, like, I was just consuming, like, I don't know, 1,000, 1,500 grams of carbohydrates a day. And I was working so hard. Like, I'm spending six, seven hours in the gym every day. It was yeah. okay. It was a net canceling effect. Yeah. But, man, the year after graduating, once I was becoming a lot more sedentary and I wasn't spending hours upon hours at the gym every day and my diet remained consistent, I ballooned. Yeah, of course. You I just immediately ballooned. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is because I'm playing poker right. and like, I'm just sitting so much more like, I just need to be more active. So I started running again. I fucking hate running. <laughs> I was putting in like 10, 15 miles a week Jeez, and man. I'm not losing the weight. Right. Right. I'm just puffy. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? Right. And it's like, oh, you don't know anything about fucking food and nutrition. Yeah. But you thought you did because you were an athlete mm -hmm. and those who are around you who are supposed to know more just kind of checked off that this is okay. I remember reading, um, I didn't finish the book, but I got like a halfway through enough to see um, from James Clear's Atomic Habits, mm -hmm. where it started from, there's a point that was made where you change your identity as to who you want to be. Yeah. And then when you change from going to, from, I want to lose X weight to this, to I want to be someone with a healthy, active lifestyle, that's when the changes start happening. Right. Because that's what happened to me. Like when I was, uh, I guess, right out of taking a break from college, um, was super depressed in college and I left. At my worst, and like I've, I was really showed you guys pictures yesterday. I'm like, <laughs> I was not happy. Um, like I don't, I don't have the pictures now. Maybe at some point we'll do that. But I wasn't very happy. At my worst, I was probably 265 pounds, 270. And for reference, right now I weigh 195. And this is probably about two and a half years ago. But I remember I first started with a goal of like I want to go from this weight to 240, 230, or whatever. And then I sort of realized, like, I don't want to do that. What I want to do is live an active and healthy lifestyle and change my lifestyle based around that. And it made it so much easier to attach to the goal. Right. And that's where I'm at now, where it's like, we've talked about this. If I were to go on a DEXA scan, I would still be considered obese based off of, like, the body fat that I still have. Yeah. It's like, 
am I like, do I look fat? Like, of course not. I'm just soft right. for all things considered. Right. So my steps from going to the gyms probably since like relig- religiously since like October to now, roughly like five days a week is I want to get to the best possible form of myself that I can get to for myself in that active lifestyle way, not What's the idea I want to make this goal of being 180 pounds and 5% body right. fat. Right, it's the idea of process-oriented uh, process oriented thinking, I guess, yeah. over goal-oriented. Right. Uh, so, yeah, whenever you put the process above all, yeah. what you understand is that there's no end. Yeah. You're not trying to develop something that reaches uh, a milestone and then says, I've done it. And you also don't want, like, it, you don't want there to be. Correct. It's like, okay, what do I do today to win the day, right? And for my example for today is go to the gym after the podcast, eat healthy, do that kind of stuff, and then repeat that tomorrow. Yeah. It's not like, oh, here's my final goal and I'm done. Right, right. And I think that like this applies to poker. It applies to anything applies that you to want stuff, to yeah. uh, kind of master in life. Yeah. What you'll start to understand or what you'll start to recognize is that you'll shock yourself in the things that you're capable of. Yeah. Because I think the vast majority of people don't ever start. Uh, referring to the conversation we were having with Jamie yesterday, there was a point where um, we were kind of talking about uh, the, the idea of what is idolized and how uh, we were saying from like a male point of view, uh, it's very easy for us to see a spectrum of bodies and recognize that they all have their own utilitarian um aspect to them right so like whether you're looking at an actor who is maybe uh more of an average body type to an athlete who is just built like a machine to like a model who's more of like the skinny lean there's a body type for kind of everybody right you can sort of mix and yeah and as you're going through your process you can kind of like mix and match where you're at and what the next obtainable body type is that you would desire. But for women, it's never been that way. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's just like this kind of ideal that you're, you're fitting into the curvy, but not too voluptuous. Yeah. Yeah, And like a Kim K kind of breaks that mold a little bit, but she also goes out and gets like a fake ass implant and like creates these other weird standards that women feel like they have to abide by. Yeah. Uh, so like there are all these weird beauty standards that get like thrust upon women that men don't have to deal with. Tough. And because of that, our process becomes a lot simpler. Right. It, we're a lot more encouraged to try yeah. because any improvement is so quickly recognized and celebrated mm-hmm. that we're encouraged the whole way along the way. Right. But like what I was saying to Jamie is uh, the worst part of Doug's take is that it further perpetuates this idea of don't even try because there are going to be plenty of women who look at that at that cover model and say, I aspire to be her, right? Right. And someone like Doug comes in and shits on that yeah. image and says, this is not what we aspire to see. Now that woman says, what's the point? Right. Because if you're asking me to get from where I'm at now to Victoria's Secret model, I can't do it. Yeah. It's too far out of reach. Just like yeah. if you ask me, to get to Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. like that's out of fucking reach. Yeah. He's a genetic marvel. Like, why even go to the gym if I can't look like that? Exactly. And it's like when you yeah. start to perpetuate this idea of unrealistic goal obtainment, you prevent people from ever trying. Yeah. And now you just perpetuate the cycle of unhealthiness that your message is trying to actually fight against. Right. 
So it's like we should just be celebratory of all different walks of life, yeah. all different body types, everybody who's in some sort of process that they're happy with, yeah. right? And stop like pretending that image is what dictates yeah. people's incentives because yeah. it's not, man. If we made fast food expensive and healthy food cheap, we'd see a massive drop in obesity. Yeah. If we made fast food illegal to advertise and farm-to-table stuff, the the first thing kids see whenever they're on a commercial break instead of McNuggets, yeah. we would see a, a rapid drop yeah, in definitely. obesity, right? Yeah. It's a societal change. It's a cultural thing that Which is currently... change. Yeah, it's currently being held up by corporations who are just benefiting by keeping us unhealthy and sick. Yeah. What 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 on earth is criticizing a woman on Sports Illustrated magazine cover going to do to change that? Yeah. Why are you implying that more people are going to become obese because she's being celebrated? Yeah. It's fucking asinine. Yeah. It's a highly incendiary take. It, it's just a hot garbage take. It's yeah. it's literally just stinks to high heaven. Uh, and I don't know what was going through his head to 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 say that. Maybe it's he wanted to be forefront of the news. He yeah. wanted the clicks. I don't know. I mean that's probably. I mean. Maybe it's part of it. Like, I think maybe another possible part of it, like knowing that Doug's going through this transformation stage of where he was before to where he wants to get to, mm-hmm. and is taking those pro- like those process-oriented steps to getting to a more healthier body type. It's like, okay, I have the formula. I'm doing this. I'm getting to where I want to be, and I've been there before, and I hated it. So you're gonna hate it too. Right. Uh, someone in the comments says, uh, as a psych uh, psych scholar, image does play. Uh, a role and does matter and yeah i understand but you have to understand what doug is implying he's implying that women who are smaller than the than the sports illustrated cover model will aspire to now gain a ton of weight and look like her Mm -hmm. and first of all that's very unlikely second of all if they do it through healthy metrics who cares right if they decide that they like the way her curves look if they decide that they like uh the thicker type of body type yeah. who gives a shit as long it's, as they're not doing it through eating mcdonald's and yeah. other trash it's not for an individual to decide what is and is not the standard of what people should be held to yeah agree just that simple it doesn't have to do with like health it has to do with aesthetics like you just don't get to decide that right that simple right i think we can just like lean on actual science in this instance we yeah. can lean on simple metrics that are very easy to measure and weight is a little bit misleading it's very variable in nature it matters to the body type right so it's like okay maybe not everyone has access to a body fat scanner but like that's what we should be operating off of not bmi yeah don't tell me to plug in my height and weight to a calculator i did it today somebody like brought it up in my in my mentions i was like okay let's let's go check yeah and i go to the bmi calculator i'm probably like 18 percent body fat right now my bmi 29 I'm on the red line border of obese. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this calculation so telling you'd us? You say, oh, like, you're, like, you're obese, right? Right. As you go to the gym five times a week. It's also just, like, such a... For lo- years. It's such a Looney Tune take, man. It's yeah. like, when we're talking about measuring health, you're talking about your mental health, your physical health, your cardi- uh, cardiac health, yeah. right? Like, the, the health of your blood, the health of your organs, all of these things encompass health, right? Yeah. And you're trying to tell me you're going to gather where I fit into those spectrums right. based off of a calculation that only accounts for my height and weight. Yeah. And I mean, even like insane. in my instance, like I'm fortunate enough that like you've gone through so much shit and know much more than I do that I don't have to do much from that regard. Right. It's like, I just kind of copy you on that stuff. You're like, Oh, like I know this from this. In- You're also young enough money. So you get to outsource a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like being able to hire a trainer at 23. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, like the rest of us were fighting the uphill battle. And for better or for worse, right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to have the take of, oh, you should just suffer and struggle and figure this out on your own. Right. Like, if you can do it more efficiently, you should. Right. It's like, why why suffer for no no reason? Yeah. Like, and sure, that's not saying the that, struggle, but like, you don't have to just, like, why? Right. And that's not saying that there aren't things that you should struggle with and learn the hard way. Yeah. But I don't think this is necessarily one of them. Yeah. Right. Because this isn't bro science. This right. is something that, like, you can just get ahead of yeah. and become more educated at your age like, than I was. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't help anyone by doing this the hard way. Right. All like, it does hurt to be honest, because you start to project a lot of false information or, or, or half truths. Like, what if I do it the hard way? Realize I'm not getting the results I want and, and quit. Like, Fuck it. What does this matter? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm yeah. not seeing what I want to see. Right. Right. But like doing it the right way and efficient way, because it's possible makes that not the case. And it's like, wow, what I have seen in myself and the way that I've changed from this point to now to where I see myself going in the future following the track is ridiculous. Like, how is this possible to do in a short amount of time being like changing from being 270 to probably being somewhere around like 205, 210 and like leaner in a spot in like two years Right. with being helped. Because if I wasn't helped, I'd probably think, oh, you're probably supposed to run a lot, like lose weight, run a lot, like lifting weights kind of is important, but like whatever. Yeah. Because before going to the trainer and before moving to Vegas, the way I lost weight and went from like 270 to like 220 was I just ran around my neighborhood every day. Yeah. I ran around my neighborhood and it was obviously easier because I had more weight to lose and I ate well, but I was never strong. I was always soft. Yeah. You have to pick things up and put them down. I think this gets amplified even in the female community because they, they don't have... It's much like the poker community, right? They don't have uh, that collection of peers that have been through it yeah. that can kind of walk them through, unless they're athletes. If they're athletes, they're a little bit more exposed. Yeah. But if you're just if you're the everyday between, person, yeah. yeah, so like they, they lack that general uh, peer group. And when you look at like the fitness industry and how they market towards women, they turn them into cardio bunnies. Right. They, they push them away from weight training and uh, like high degrees of physical stress and they lean them into convenience yeah. and a lot of like low impact cardio because again a they're selling the idea that there's only one specific body type and it's soft yeah that men like it's soft but skinny yeah right and then on number two uh it's it's like really preying upon the idea of like wanting to remain feminine right so like you shouldn't have callus on your hands that's masculine and men don't like that type of stuff right. and you shouldn't develop like or lines like having traps yeah like, like lines on your stomach or on your quads because that's masculine and yeah. men aren't it's like don't speak for us yeah because like a that's just fundamentally not true across the board right but b you're also like depriving them largely of the things that have the biggest benefits because there are diminishing returns whenever you just go the cardio route and once again who are you to say what someone <coughs> should look like right right who are you to well, decide what the paragon of fitness is if you're well if you're supposed to be the fitness expert you are that person but you're leading them down around well the power. problem is is that there's a lot of marketing involved yeah so you just make a lot of money by steering into that yeah um, because the marketing is being done for you. And I know from just like my own sort of like personal insecurities, if you will, like going to the gym when you feel like you don't actually belong as someone that goes to the gym it's scary. is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And like when the first thing you see or like hear is something along these lines of like, this is not what we should be celebrating. It's like, why do I even want to go in public anymore? It's hard. It's a hard barrier to get over. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you're entering a, a foreign community where you're uneducated on the product at hand. Like you, you're knowing you're an outsider entering a product, entering a place where 
And it's overwhelming as fuck. You walk into this room that's like scattered with people who know maybe what they're like, look or, like they or, or look a certain way sure. and like look intimidating and look like what you ultimately want to get to. Yeah. But certainly don't seem like they're going to be helpful. Yeah. And then there's just equipment scattered everywhere. Yeah. That all looks so daunting. Right. It's like, what do I do? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, when <laughs> the barrier of entry is incredibly high. And I also think that's why it's so easy to market to women to just like, just do cardio, do Pilates, run, right. like, do these feminine type activities. Yeah. yeah. Because you reduce or remove the intimidation factor of like actually having to weight train yeah and that sucks because they're not being exposed to a lot of the biggest benefits of of the health and nutrition side of things yeah. especially given that a lot of their biggest fears is that they'll turn masculine yeah right but the reality is that That's females true. in general are just so low in testosterone it's very 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 hard to pack on muscle yeah so it's like uh in, in a lot of ways like they get the best of both worlds in the sense that they do get to weight train and get the desired look that they're after should they like aspire towards that look yeah and they don't have to worry about bulking they don't have to worry about like blowing up and being too muscular mm -hmm. or like that's just a really rare occurrence yeah for females who are predisposed to like high testosterone for some reason. And the people in the gym are just really nice too. It's like <laughs> eventually, yeah. yeah but like, I've been intimidated in gyms, even like just traveling. Yeah, of course. It's like, whoa. Like, uh yeah, yeah, like specifically traveling to like Miami. I had a hard time going to 24 hour fitness. Mm. Like you walk in and it's just like a bunch of juice heads, and it's like, or like there have been times where I've traveled and Gold's gym is like the only thing available, and they're just like known to be like a juiced out broy gym. And it's yeah. like, I just feel like I'm not big enough. Right. Like I don't belong. Right. I know what I'm doing, but like you're it's like you're, you're curling, me. you're intimidating. Well, me. it's just like you're you're <laughs> curling dumbbells that I use to bench press, and now that makes me feel bad about myself. Right. And now I feel weak and why am I in this gym? I can just wait till I get back home. Right. And also, like, I don't have my program in front of me. Like, right. usually I'm accustomed to a trainer telling me what to do. That type of thing. You know, you kind of, like, forget. And I'm so far removed from being that college student who can yeah. just fit in anywhere. Yeah. It's like, I get it. And I'm, I'm only saying I get it from a tiny, like, I don't suffer from entry-level problems yeah. that uh, somebody who's just starting their fitness right. journey would. And I'm still telling you that I'm intimidated. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like, I've been lifting weights for 20-odd years. Yeah. And there are still gyms that I walk into where I feel out of place. Yeah. And so honestly, imagine what it's yeah. like if it's day three for you. Right. Like, that's why I like staying in Vegas. Is because I'm in Vegas. I know I have my routine. I have the gym I go to. That's my habit. But mm -hmm. when I'm traveling, it's so much more of a hassle to me to do it to where I should be going to the gym every day. And I should maintain that stuff. But I also sort of see it as a break, kind of like a copium stance. Like, oh, like I'm just taking a break and I'll get back to it when I go back to Vegas. But it's scary. Because you're out of place, you're out of element, you have to create your own thing. And it's like, well, I can just take this time off, call it a vacation, and then go back. Yeah. Because it's easier to get out of the habit. But once I'm back here, it's like, oh, right back to where I was, right back to where I left off. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that that's the biggest takeaway from this is that, <clears throat> you know, there's just a wide, a wide variety of, of body types and a spectrum of aesthetics that people as a whole find pleasing. You know, this isn't really something where uh, we should be nitpicky or critical of anybody who is put out in the public sphere. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, it's just like whenever we do get into the health debate of like obesity, fitness, nutrition, acknowledge that it's fucking hard. And acknowledge so hard. that it's a high barrier of entry. And acknowledge that like we as a society could be doing a hell of a lot more to ensure that we pick people from the bottom up. Right. And are inherently not to from like the highest levels. Right? Yes. From like a corporate standpoint, they make it hard on purpose.
Right. Because it's more convenient to just do these things, eat the sugary breakfast, right. get the convenience food because it's there, and then go on with your day. Because- In all the industries too, right? So like where where the yeah. food industry is targeting the the lower economic people, the fitness industry is targeting the higher economic people. Right. So there's a massive divide now yeah. between people who have some sort of semblance of an idea of how to be healthy and get in the shape yeah. and people who just can't afford that education. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, if we want to get to the root cause and actually see uh, a change in the obesity numbers in the United States, it really all starts at a socioeconomic level, yep. right? We need to figure out a way to educate and give resources to the poor yeah. and help elevate them from the bottom up like if i was gonna if i'm gonna be absolutely honest there is absolutely no shot that i care as much about fitness as i do now being in vegas and having i guess more affluence yeah then if i was still grinding in my room playing micros in Florida. Yeah, yeah for sure there's just no chance because sure. i don't have the time i don't have the resources i don't have the money Right. Like now that I am fortunate enough that I do, it becomes more of a priority and something I can actually spend time on. Yeah. It's like now I have the time and the ability to actually take advantage of it. Yep. And it's fucking hard. It's, it's still so, hard. It's, it's still hard. I, I, don't know, I don't even mean from like where I'm at now. Cause like, I mean, it's just hard to be involved in it in the first place, especially if it's something that you're getting into in your later stages of life. Right. Right. Not even like if you're a high school athlete or obviously it's e- easier because you've done things regarding regarding that as a sport. But if you call it mid 20s and you just want to start going to the gym for the first time and like you would consider yourself an overweight person, it's fucking hard. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. And it's easy to it's easy for the people that have the ability and like the time and the resources to be like. Oh man, it's so easy. Just do this. Right. It's like, well, you're outsourcing a lot of it and you have the time and ability to do it. Where yeah. others don't have that ability. Just that simple. Or the knowledge. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to harp on the fact that I think it still boils down to knowledge. Like even knowing how to properly outsource and what resources to acquire is a, a big barrier to overcome. Right. Because there's also a lot of people that have a bunch of money, kind of just chuck money at things and they're like, oh, I should do this and I'm not getting the results. Well, they, they want results. Yeah. They just want immediate fixes that's to the problem the goal versus the process yeah so it's like my goal and, is to get to this and whatever point. like those people aren't that important because it's a no. small subset of wealthy people who exactly. like choose to waste money yeah. it's more so the people who fall into the medium to the bottom yeah that don't have a lot of money to spend that aren't certain or aren't pointed in the right direction for what resources to acquire and then they waste yeah and that in and of itself <clears throat> will stop the process before it ever starts yeah it's very easy to stop the health train before it even gets started yeah. Especially in the U.S. Yeah. And I mean, the last point I'm going to make is uh, I do think that there is a certain level of um, like false bravado with people who celebrate and take pride in the idea of overconsumption. So this is something that, you know, I've spoken about on past episodes and I'll continue to harp on like the idea that we celebrate food and eating and uh meals and things like that i think is okay within the realm of social normalcy but i think it's very bad in the sense of you eat too much food or you're eating for pleasure you're eating gluttonous okay like you're eating in excess not just in excess but you're eating like okay you're eating like high caloric food that's trash right Mm. like though it would never bother me if we celebrated food in such a way where it was like 
uh, socially, we should all gather for a meal and eat these nutritious things. And it's a healthy meal. Yeah. Kind of, okay. Like that would never bother me. Right. What bothers me is the people who like show up to a party with five cakes yeah. and are like standing around they're cheering like, while like, people. It's party time. Right. Like they take pride in the fact that like people are eating their cake and like smashing their face with sugar and stuff like that. It's like that to me is problematic mm -hmm. because you're just celebrating, celebrating the gluttony. You're, you're kind of peddling the drug if You're you like will leaning into it not just leaning into it but like taking pride in it right and oftentimes these people are obese themselves and like what they're trying to do is basically uh find unity in a level platform where everybody is kind of the same right, right. Like, it's like we all like sugar right, right? It's like we're all sort of we're all in this together yeah. of this ceremony right. of enjoying food that is not healthy and knowing it's not healthy. Right, but collectively when the group walks away from the cake and then makes better decisions down the line, that person's now back on an island yeah. feeling pretty shitty about poor choices that they make. So it's like I guess what I'm ultimately trying to say is that uh maybe giving Doug some benefit of the doubt is that he recognizes that there is a tiny subset of obese people who try to normalize it in such a way that uh, makes it okay to actively choose to be obese. Yeah, that definitely exists. Sure, but it's so small and so unimportant to the mm -hmm. greater conversation yeah. that I don't even think it's like anything worth mentioning. It's like if the bullseye of the conversation is like, we are not the ones to judge when it comes to health and that's it's certain than the other, the, that point is like, all the way over to the side, missing the dartboard. Yeah. 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 Like no, right. no doubles, no triples. You're just off the board. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, this exists a tiny little bit. And like, if you really stick to this point, you'll, you'll capture the attention of a small amount of people. Well, it just instantly triggers people, right? Kind of. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Like the post was triggering to the, to the general populace because the natural response is just who the fuck are you? Which is fair. Right. But that's what's so that's that's the shock value of the post. Right. Right. It's not about the messaging. It's not about anything. Oh. It's just about like, who the fuck are you yeah. to say that this woman shouldn't be celebrated? Which also doesn't provide actual solutions. To Correct. The problem. It also doesn't identify any problems either. No. So everything he says thereafter that basically says like obesity is a problem and heart disease kills and yada, yada, yada. It's like, OK, but none of this has anything to do with the fact that like you just pointed out one single person. And said they're too fat to be on it's a cover. It's tripling down on the thing that's off the dartboard. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is zero points, by the way. Zero points. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the gym closes at five today, man. Yeah, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, that's going to wrap it for this COVID-free podcast. Tomorrow, we are going to try to bring rally everybody out troops. of quarantine, rally the troops, have a meaningful discussion on something that doesn't have anything to do with the Sports Illustrated's uh, swimsuit cover. Yeah, what are we going to talk about? Uh, we may do high stakes poker tomorrow. Ah, yes. If we don't do it tomorrow, we'll do it Thursday. But there oh, was we a... can do the high stakes duel as well. Oh yeah, that, that's going to happen today, it's right? Happening today, yeah. It's Scott yep. versus Phil Hamuth. I'm just here for the shit talk, man. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, over the next couple of days, we'll probably couple cover a couple of things on Poker Go. Uh, I'm going to be playing live at the bike again on Friday, so I uh, won't be here for the Friday show, but there's a chance that the team may still be able to put one together. In any event, we appreciate you guys for watching. Sorry for the extended break. We're happy to be back. Everybody's healthy again and ready to rock. We'll see you guys all tomorrow. Same time, same channel.